Welcome to Criminal Perspective. I'm Chris. I'm Andrew. On this episode, we'll be talking to Amanda Beatty, who was convicted of the brutal murder of her 17-month-old son, Levi Beatty, along with her boyfriend, Roger Prince. Andrew, what do you know about this case? Other than the fact that it's pretty horrific, Levi Beatty was 17 months old when he was murdered by Roger Prince and Amanda Beatty. Obviously, we have to present everything up until this point, which consists of multiple accounts of, or I guess I should say, alleged child abuse. The children were taken out, what, twice prior to the incident? Uh, yeah, twice, I believe. Um, in November, I believe it was November or December of 2013, Amanda's three children, Levi and her other two children, were removed from her custody after she took Levi to the hospital and it was found that he had a broken collarbone. And um, she got the children back in March of 2014 and the children were taken again after it was found that Levi had a broken thumb and he had another broken bone as well. I don't remember what it was, but and, and Amanda said she had no idea how he was getting these bone breaks and she had no idea that he had these broken bones. And um, apparently Amanda says that they they told her at the visit that that Levi and her other son, Noah, had a blood disorder. And she says that the doctor testified in her trial that. They told her that because they wanted her to keep bringing the children back. They were scared that if they just said, hey, uh, we think you're abusing these kids or whatever, that she, would, that she wouldn't bring them back to the hospital. And being that the injuries to Levi were pretty severe with, at this point, on two different hospital trips, months apart, he has three broken bones. Apparently, they they told her that he had a blood disorder so that they needed to keep seeing him. Uh, she... She said that in her trial that they said this and they said that that wasn't true. So um, we haven't read the trial transcripts. We don't know if that's true or not. Um, we do know that Levi did have broken bones. We can't say if he did, in fact, have a blood disorder or if Noah had a blood disorder or if at the trial the doctor testified to say, no, they didn't actually have any sort of uh blood disorder or um, deficiency or anything of that sort. But Amanda claims that that's what happened. What is known is that Levi had broken bones. Um, in March of 2014, uh, the kids were taken from Amanda's custody again. Amanda had to do some things to get them back. Amanda was on pills at the time. She was addicted to pills and she she admits to this even though she she claims that there is never any abuse and she never witnessed any abuse. She was living with her boyfriend, Roger Prince, and his, I believe, one, he had one child, a daughter, and Amanda's three children. And she moved out with Roger. And uh, when the kids were taken away, one of the stipulations was she had to get a job because she was just living off child support, which is interesting because she had a pill habit. So another thing to, to mention there with the pill habit, she claims that she went to rehab um, and after she after she continued getting pills that Roger stole them and was selling them to get Amanda gifts and so on and so forth as to where as if she was actually not taking that pills at the time. We really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know if she really got clean or not, but the stipulations of getting her children back, she had to get her own residence uh, so she got an apartment. Roger Prince couldn't live with her. 
And I read an article that said Roger wasn't supposed to be at her home at the time when Levi died. But when we talked to Amanda, she said that Roger had to pass a mental competency test to be deemed um, eligible to be around the children, which I believe she said that he did. But that we're not completely sure on. But um, Roger was around the children. Roger was at Amanda's apartment uh, when Levi died. So Amanda had to get her own home. Uh, she went to rehab. And there's some other stipulations she talks about in the interview. Um, she did regain custody of her children. And maybe less than a month, a month or less, uh, she I believe she got him back in May of 2014. And Levi was killed in early June, I believe June 1st of 2014. Um, do you have anything pulled up that you can corroborate that I'm correct? I don't want to be crapping out bad date it just says june of 2014 yeah so basically what happened is amanda regains custody and um she has her own place with her children um i believe she's working at the time because it was a stipulation for dcs to give her her children back you know she only had them back for a month i'm sure she was still having to see a caseworker and things of that nature one day amanda goes to the store and leaves her three children at her apartment with her boyfriend, Roger Prince, and Roger's daughter is there as well. When Amanda returns from the store, Amanda says that she had a very brief interaction with Levi, and Levi was conscious and was interacting with her. And she goes to the kitchen and in the time that she walks into the door, into her apartment to go into the kitchen, Levi goes unconscious. So, which is just, that doesn't sound right. I mean, red flags right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't sound like she's telling the truth. Wouldn't you agree? Right. Yeah. And her original story was that he was, ch he choked on a cookie. Well, she, that, it. Yeah, that's that's still her her not still her story, but she she maintains that what happened was she gets to the um, kitchen and Roger's telling her, hey, Levi's unconscious. Uh, he's choking on a cookie. And so she turns around and goes back over there and and Roger claims he had cleared the cookie from his throat. Yet there was no sign of any cookies being present. And uh Amanda's neighbor comes down, who's a firefighter. They try CPR. They call call paramedics. They take Levi away. Levi's autopsy wasn't done until 14 hours later because they believe he had choked and there was no visible signs of trauma on him. But yeah, because hours... the, the homicide investigation didn't start until 14 hours after. That's when exactly hit the yeah. fan for both of them. Yeah. So the 14 hours later, they do the autopsy and they find all these broken bones, 16 broken bones spinal fracture and the cause of death to levi was a severed aorta in his chest um, from blunt force trauma they said these injuries were consistent with that of a car accident or being kicked by a horse right and essentially he his aorta being ruptured essentially he his his spine i believe it would be was ripped in half which was, it was which it is was similar it to was, the car accident his spine was definitely fractured i, I can't say that it was ripped in half um, I'm just going off one of many articles that I yeah, read. Yeah, but... I, I I do know that he did have spinal injuries, and I from what I've read, it was spinal fractures. His his aorta was 
was ripped in half from what I read. Um, uh, on top of that, 16 broken bones, other contusions, other injuries as well. So, um, so no, no choking on a cookie. No, no, definitely no choking on the cookie. So when the investigators got there, Amanda said that he that Levi had choked on a cookie and she said, well, I didn't know this. This is just what Roger told me. So I had no reason not to believe him. And we'll we'll get into this um, after the interview and kind of break that down a little bit, a little bit more. But this is what Amanda said. This we're just going through the facts of everything. Amanda says that Roger told me he was choking on a cookie. I had no reason not to believe him, um, even though there was no sign of any bits of cookie that Roger cleared from his throat. There was no cookies in the house. They had a cookie can in the kitchen and it was empty. So that kind of caught investigators off guard. When you hear all this, <laughs> I think you don't have to be a, a seasoned veteran police officer or detective to know that this is not adding up. This is not right. Um, but but that was Amanda's story. And uh, ultimately, um, I'm not sure the time frame, but I think it was at least a month or or maybe more later, Amanda, because the investigation went on for quite some time, trying because they're trying to find answers in this mixed up story. And uh, ultimately, Amanda and Roger are arrested and charged with felony first degree murder. And both were ultimately convicted, uh, I believe, four years later. They were tried together. Do you know what year they were convicted? I want to say 2017 or 2018, something like that. It looks like, um, yeah, 2018. They're both convicted. And Amanda gets life. Uh, I'm not sure what Roger was sentenced to. Apparently, Amanda said during the trial that, you know, it was a lot of the blame game. So we'll never really know exactly who did what. And Amanda told us that Roger was physically violent with her. So if that was said in court or if um, that's true or not, we can't we can't back that up or, or say, but we can just tell you what Amanda told us. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting case. And we're going to we're going to let Amanda speak for herself for a while. You can hear the interview. And after that, we're going to break things down. So uh, here's the interview with Amanda Beatty. Hello, this is a prepaid call from Amanda, an inmate at the Tennessee Department of Corrections, West Tennessee State Penitentiary. What was your childhood like? What was it like growing up? What was your mom and dad like? Did anything that stood out that was negative or positive in your childhood? We, I mean, we, my parents were, you know, got along really well together. We went to church. We were a Christian family. Um, you know, my parents didn't believe in spanking us, so I never got one. <laughs> but they did other things to punish us, like, you know, taking things away that we liked. So there were, there were never any forms of abuse or anything like that? Did you ever experience any um, sort of abuse or traumatic thing that stands out to you when you were growing up? No. So all in all, you had a pretty normal, well-adjusted, adolescent, youthful uh, part of your life, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, my brother 
brother always got in trouble and was sent off, so I was always, you know, a good kid. I never wanted to get in trouble, you know, because my brother had always put my parents through everything. Yeah. Is there any memories that stand out in your youthful years that that were good memories for you? ask about bad things that happen to people, but um, I'm also curious about what stood out as, as really good things that, that you remember that you have, like, really fond memories of, you know? I mean, you know, I remember things like, you know, with me and my brother, we got along really well, and, you know, my brother's my best friend growing up. I always hung out with him, um, you know, from, like, when it snowed, we'd, you know, go sled. Of course, you know, he'd send me, you know, down the hill first, but I was okay because he told me to do it, you know? Like, you know, we went shopping in the movies. Like, we, we took trips. Um, I remember going to Tabby Island with my mom, you know, and it's, you know, a trip I will never forget. Every weekend, me and my family, like, we went out to eat in church, and, you know, we all spent time together. It wasn't just like, you know, me, my mom, and my dad, and my brother, you know, was also, you know, my uncle and my cousins. Like, we all spent time, you know, a lot of time together. We were all very close. So family's always been really, really uh, a big thing for you. Yes. Moving on, of course, you're in prison for life right now. So let's let's kind of fast forward a little bit. Um, not to the case, but let's, let's go a little before that. And let's go to, you have, I believe it's three three children you you have can you tell us how old all your children all your children are and uh just start from there and get into how you met your co-defendant and we'll just move the story along okay um my first child was Leah um she will be 12 on Halloween of this year um and then I had Noah um he just turned eight on October on August the 28th I mean 29th I'm sorry and then Levi would have been seven this year. And you're currently um, in prison for the murder of Levi, is that correct? Yes. Let's talk about your, I believe it was your boyfriend at the time. Roger. Uh, yes. Roger, yeah. Uh, can you tell us how you met him and how that relationship was and what his relationship was to the children? And um, I actually met Roger like probably, you know, 10 years prior to all of this, um, his ex-wife was one of my best friends growing up and, you know, through school. So even after school, we, you know, they married and then, you know, I was married as well. You know, I went up there for his daughter's birthday party, me and my ex-husband did. So I've known him for a very long time. But on... August the 19th, or 19th, I believe, um, me and my ex-husband had split up, and Roger sent me an email or Facebook message saying that, you know, if I didn't want to go to my parents' house and say that, you know, I could, you know, come hang out at his house. So I did, and because he had got a divorce two years prior to that also. And then one thing led to another, and, you know, I ended up moving in with him. 
did you move in with them pretty quickly? Did the relationship with Roger escalate pretty pretty quick? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even you know three weeks, four weeks, maybe. Was there any abuse towards yourself, or did you suspect any of towards your kids before he moved before you moved in with him? Child Protective Services uh, intervene with your children a couple times before the incident with Levi. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Um, it first started um, the end of October is when it happened, and um, it was around the end of the month that. Levi ended up with a broken clavicle. And that day, we were, he had an appointment anyway to go to the doctor um, because he had a rash and I would already scheduled the appointment. But that morning, I was in the bedroom getting ready and um, Leah and his daughter, Emily, was in the boys' room, you know, playing with the kids because that's what Leah likes to do, go in the boys' room and play. Levi was in his playpen and Leah had a bad habit of, you know, getting him out of it. And Leah was six years old then, so she wasn't, you know, big enough to be, you know, pulling him out of it, you know. So I wasn't in there. All I know is what the kids had told me. And so when I went to, I didn't realize that he even had a broke clavicle when we went to the doctor. And when we took his shirt off to weigh him is when we noticed the bump because he wasn't crying about it or anything. Um. And I didn't, I didn't even know that he had dropped it. Like, nobody even told me. Like, because I guess, from the way I understand it, like, he dropped him and then Emily picked him up. And then, you know, he was fine. So, you know, we finished getting ready and everything. And then, like I said, when we got to the doctor, you know, he took his shirt off and he had a broke clavicle. You know, I asked the kids what, you know, really happened in there. Leah... Uh, Leah and Emily says that Leah dropped him. Well, then the next story I get, and I told the doctor that, then the next story I get is that Leah didn't do it. So I told the doctor that also. So since I changed my story, and I didn't know exactly how it happened, he called DCS on me. So DCS came out, it was John Norris, and he um, interviewed, you know, all of us. And Leah told him that, you know, she did in fact drop him, but she was scared of getting in trouble. And because I had already told her not to be picking him up, that she wasn't big enough to be picking him up. He ruled it out that it was, you know, that, you know, there was no abuse going on, that nothing, you know, that it was actually the kids that, you know, it was an accident by the kids. And he, you know, closed the case and everything. Okay. And then going on to the second time that child services uh, got involved, um, can you tell us about that? Um, the next time was in January. I had took the boys to the hematologist at Children's Hospital on January the 22nd, and they took photos of the, the children, and then they called DCS. But they didn't actually, like, take them, like, right in at the hospital. I actually took them back home with me, and our babysitter at the time, Paulette, she actually 
got the kids and they stayed on like just weird because they stayed all night there but she would bring the kids to the house during the day and she just basically was with them all the time but I had them you know what I mean like she was there so um but they ended up you know ruling that out as well and closed the case um like two weeks later because you know there was it was unfounded that there was any abuse going on um but let me describe this just a little bit more. In December, you know, of that year prior, in 13, I had took him to um, Morgan County Medical Center to see the doctor because he started getting bruises. And they were coming up, like, on his elbows, um, on his ears. And I asked the doctor, I said, you know, you know, what's causing this? Like, why is he, you know, bruising like this? You know, what, what is it? So they did blood work, and they did blood work on Levi and Noah, and said that both of them had a blood disorder, and that's why she referred him to the hematologist. But they only seen Levi. They never even scheduled Noah an appointment, but I took both boys with me anyway, because if they had a blood disorder, you know, both of them needed to be seen. But when I get to the hematologist, they tell me that the boys are fine and call DCS. Is it true that when they when they saw them at the time, they did think that there was abuse, I believe you told us, but didn't say anything because they wanted you to take the children back to the doctor, is that correct? Yeah, I felt, I felt this out during trial. Um, the doctor from Morgan County Medical Center said that she, she had lied to me when I took the, took the boys to the doctor in December because she was afraid that I would quit quit bringing the kids to the doctor there and then she wouldn't be able to keep an eye on them. So she suspected they were being abused back in, you know, November, December. Was Levi taken out of the home temporarily? Because I'm reading here it says the child was given back to BD on May 7th after she yes. passed the polygraph test indicated she was not responsible for the child's injuries. Okay, that, yeah, that's the next story. Um, so I got the kids back on that February the 14th, and that same day, you know, Roger had kicked me. Well, it was the next week. You know, Roger had, you know, kicked me out of the house. Like, he waited till I got my income tax and then told me I, you know, took my money and told me I needed to leave. So I did. And I moved in with my parents. Um, but Levi had uh, got a threat B and was put in the hospital for two weeks. And during this time is when they uh, did some other x-rays on him and seen that his thumb was broke and he had a hairline fracture in his leg. And they asked me how it happened and I, you know, I didn't believe them because I didn't know. You know, I made them even show me the, you know, the x-rays on him because he's never even cried. Like, how would I not know this? And I even told them, you know, they were hateful with me, you know because they suspected that I was doing something that I wasn't. So on, when he got out, they let me stay there for two weeks with him, and when he got out of the hospital, they give them to my parents. They give all three of them to my parents. It was around the 10th of March, and my dad, my dad actually came up there and picked him up. But they even, during, during the stay of um, Levi being in the hospital, they asked me if I would bring Noah, uh, if my parents would bring Noah, because my kids had stayed with my parents while I was at the hospital with Levi. 
they asked me if I would bring Noah up to the hospital so he could have a full body, like, x-ray. Like, I forget the name that they call it. Of course, you know, that, you know, my parents brought him up there, you know. I've never refused anything that they've asked me to do. Um, and they said that Noah's never had any broke bones. They never did anything on Leah, which I wouldn't have objected if they wanted to. At some point, you moved back in with Roger. Yeah, that was when my kids got, when Levi got out of the hospital and they went to my parents' house. I couldn't go to my parents' house anymore. So I asked Roger if I could, you know, come back and stay with him. And so I did. But I went. I went to my parents all the time to visit the kids. Like, I was always at my parents, but I was, you know, at his house. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I didn't really have anywhere else to go. Or, well, I won't say that I didn't have anywhere else to go. I didn't want to have anywhere else to go. I had family I could have went and stayed with, but I chose not to. After you moved back in with Roger, you regained custody of all three children. Is that correct? Yeah, um, the main thing that I had to do was get my own place, so I got my own apartment, um, I, which I had, I was on pills during, you know, part of this whole thing, all the way up until February, and I put my own self in rehab, and got off the pills, so I had to go to, um, outpatient, um, you know, drug rehab, and I had to, you know, finish everything. I had to get the lie detector test. I had to take a parenting class. I had to get a job. Because at that time, I was just living off of um, my child support. Did Roger have any substance abuse issues as well? Um, he took dive pill. And he would, he would sell, he would sell my medicine. He would take it from me and sell it. And he would buy stuff from me. Even um, though he claimed that he didn't want me on it, he would still get it so I would have it. So now you're back living with Roger. You've regained custody of your children. So now let's move over no. to the, the day when Levi died. Uh, can you tell us about, about what happened that day? Okay, well, I wasn't living with Roger when I got my kids back. Okay. I wasn't allowed. There was a, there was, there was, okay, so I went to court to get my kids back that day, and they said that I could have, have them back, but Roger was in, Roger and Emily couldn't be around them until Roger got a mental health assessment. So he went and got that and faxed it to DCS. And then John Norris um, said that, you know, the order would be lifted or was being lifted or, like, nobody was ever served or, you know, whatever it was that, you know, put it in place was, you know, going away. Okay, Roger had his own house and I had mine. We didn't live together. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had my own apartment. Um, he would come and visit all the time, you know, and we, we went everywhere together. You know, we took the kids everywhere. But the day that Levi passed away on June the 1st, um, the day, 
you know, we was having, you know, me and my kids was having a great day. Like, they were. They were playing all day, and it was starting to get late. And before that, Roger had came over there to get my prescription because he had to go to Knoxville and pick up my prescription. And then when he came back, um, I told him that I needed to go to the grocery store to get the kids, you know, some food because that's when I just got my money to go do all that. It was the first of the month. And Leah was throwing a fit, you know, saying how she didn't want to go. And asked me, you know, can we please stay here? And, you know, me and Roger looked at each other and was like, you know, I'm not going to be gone that long, you know. So, I left and I went to the grocery store and, you know, got the kids stuff. And then I had to stop at the dollar store and get some diapers. And then when I got back home and, you know, right when I walked in the house, like, Roger was holding Levi. And I turned around because I was going to go to the kitchen to get Levi strawberries and cold lips because that was his favorite. But... Before I could, I heard Roger say, you know, oh no, Levi. And I turned around and it was like Levi was asleep, but he was actually unresponsive. And Roger told me that he was choking on a cookie. And so I started, you know, I dialed 911 right then. And Roger started doing CPR and the neighbor from upstairs came down. Um, he was a firefighter. Was that um, Bonham, Dustin Bonham, of the pastor? Yeah. No, it was um, um, I can't remember his name. Sean Kramer. Oh, okay, okay. And then that's when they took him to the hospital. They wouldn't let me go though, because I was the, I was gonna go with Levi. But they held me down and wouldn't let me go or see him or even be around him. You know, because they were working on him and I was, you know, freaking out. I'm looking here and, and just to be clear, Levi died from multiple blunt force injuries, including a spinal fracture, uh, severe damage to his thoracic aorta artery, and uh, I believe he had over 16 broken bones. When a deputy arrived, Roger said he cleared the, the cookie from Levi's mouth, but there is no evidence of that. And um, uh, they saw no cookies, and you told them that the cookies are kept in a can in the kitchen, which there are no cookies in a, in a, a cookie jar in the kitchen. Um, and you are quoted as saying, he was talking as I was going into the kitchen, and he collapsed on the couch. I turned around and started screaming. I immediately called for help. Roger started doing CPR, and we got help from the neighbors. So can can you explain this? I mean, this is drastically different from from your recollection of events now. Um, Roger's the one that told me that he was choking on a cookie, so I was 
so that's what I believe. And as far as talking to him, I know that I talk to him when I walk in, but everybody says that. Don't lie about that. So, but I, I'm never talking to him, but nobody believes that, even though it's the truth. So I just don't want to say it anymore because I don't want people to keep thinking that I'm lying when I'm not. You're saying you just went went along with it because was that his story that that he choked on a cookie? So you just wanted to go with it just to make him, you know, to corroborate yeah. it. Or I had no reason not to believe him. Like I, I've never seen him do anything to him, so I had no reason not to believe what he was telling me. Yeah, I mean, because I had Emily his daughter tell me they eat cookies. And you know my, you know my daughter saying they eat cookies, but yet, so I believed them. When you came home, did you talk to Levi? Were you talking to him, or was he already unconscious at that point? When I opened the door, I talked to him because I asked him if he wanted strawberries, and he shook his head. But like I said, every time I tell people that, they didn't say that, you know, I imagined it or something. So I just started keeping it to myself because, you know, I don't know what to believe when people tell me that. They said that, you know, I just want to believe that I talked to him. Do you believe when you got home? Up until when 911 was called in, that he somehow harmed Levi from when you got in there, because it sounds like all of all of these injuries added up, but something was was the fatal blow. Was it done when you were there, or right before you got there? It was done before I got there, because when I got there, like he was, you know, he was holding Levi. Nothing happened while I was there. Because he was still holding Levi when Levi collapsed, and when I when I looked when I looked at him and I turned around and started to catch him, I turned back around to so was still holding Levi. I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but I would have never left my kids with somebody knowing that you know he was abusing us. But I took him to the doctor all the time. And, you know, I care about my kids. You know, they told me at 18, I'd never have kids. You know, my kids, you would ask anybody who's ever even met me, they know how I am about my kids. Me and my ex-husband split up because he spanked my daughter. Like, I don't, I don't believe in that. Like, that's even me taking my life. I've never, my daughter even got on the stand and told them that I've never even spanked them ever. Because I don't believe in that. And I wouldn't have been and let this man do it either. In the stories that I had, like, I wish I would have never trusted him or anything like that, but I did. I believed him. Right. I put my trust in somebody that I should have never done. Right. And then I put my trust in into doctors and people to find out that they were lying to me also. And had all these people not been lying to me, then maybe I could have, you know, seen 
was being abused and protected him more than listening to all these people and me thinking things. My kids mean everything to me. I have billions of pictures of me and my kids, whether it be at the park, whether it be, you know, wherever. Like, my whole life was my kids. Like, you know, anything they wanted, they got. Like, they were really good kids. I mean, my kids were angels. Like, I'm not saying that they, you know, didn't misbehave. But in my eyes, like, they were everything to me. Especially where I was told that I'd never have kids. And if I didn't want them, I would have let my husband have them. There, there was, you know, nothing in that. You know, even my parents were, you know, a part of my life every day. Like, anybody can tell you how, how much, like, I obsessed over my kids. They, they were my life. I would do anything for them. You know, and I, I'm, I'm grateful that at least my daughter was old enough and, and can remember and tell them, you know, just, you know, a little bit of, you know, about what I, you know, who I was and that I wasn't, you know, the person that they were trying to make me out to be because I was never hurt or allowed to lie to hurt him if I didn't know what I know now, then he would still be here. That was our interview with convicted murderer Amanda Beatty. So here's some interesting things. I, I, I really wanted to try and find out the truth. I couldn't find exactly what happened, but I, I really think that I've found some stuff that convolutes this a bit less and it brings us it gives us a little brighter picture of, of Amanda. So um, let's let's jump into this. Uh, so Amanda came home from the store and Roger was holding Levi. And before she could get to the kitchen to get Levi a snack, Roger said Levi was choking on a cookie. Amanda calls 911. Roger does CPR on Levi and the neighbor came to assist them. This doesn't make sense. Why would Amanda ask Levi if he wants a snack if he's eating a cookie? If he choked on a cookie, she would have seen him eating it because, I mean, she literally turned around to go to another room. And, you know, I have children. It's, you know, that doesn't make any sense, um, which she clearly she she didn't see him because there was no cookie. There's never any evidence of any cookies or choking on cookies. Um, so I, ju I just found that kind of interesting and threw her story off a little bit, makes it a little less believable. So that's weird of her to say or for her to even naively accept being told that Levi was choking on a cookie. Um, I think it's more plausible that there was no cookie and she knew it. So why why she even says that, oh, he told me this. I had no reason not to believe him. Yeah, you did. You would have seen him eating a cookie. You know, that were like, why would you be going to get him a snack if he's eating a cookie when you want, you know, like that? Wouldn't it tell you, oh, he's eating. I don't need to get him a snack. He's already eating. The, you're not a parent, Andrew, but does this make sense to you? No, not at all. Yeah. So that kind of was something I picked up on. Um, Amanda said she spoke to Levi when she walked in the house from returning from the grocery store. If a beating of this magnitude happened and she was only there to walk in the door and before she could even reach the kitchen, Levi was unconscious and they started to try to save him. It's reasonable to believe that this beating happened before she came home because there's no way she could have talked to Levi. 
he had a fractured spinal cord and a severed aorta among dozens of other serious injuries, very severe injuries. He's not going to be conscious and talking. So this doesn't add up. She's either lying about him being conscious when she got home or she was present for the beating. Either way, she's full of shit. It's just it's physically not possible. Uh, she also said he shook his head. Um, yeah, he's not shaking his head in, in acknowledgement and communication of a question with those types of injuries. So she didn't he didn't take this beating and he came home from this beating. And then, you know, within seconds of her coming home, he just he can't endure it. He can't endure his fractured spine and severed aorta and 16 broken bones anymore. And we, we were going to consult a pathologist on this. And I reached out to a very, very uh, a great pathologist. However, I think it's pretty apparent and obvious. You don't need to be a pathologist to realize that. So that's another thing that that stood out to me. Do you disagree with any of this, Andrew? No, not at all. So she said if everyone wasn't lying to her, she maybe could have seen Levi was being abused. A 17-month-old with three broken bones found within two separate hospital trips months apart wasn't an indication that something was very wrong to her. Uh, she wasn't working. She was living off child support money and supporting a pill habit with it. Another thing that's interesting was, okay, so... She tells us that Roger was physically abusive to her, but she never saw him be physically abusive to the kids. So she's being physically abused and your child is coming up on two separate occasions with broken bones. Wouldn't you at least entertain the thought that he's abusing Levi? I mean, that's just one would I, think I, I, yeah, any, anyone with common sense would would think i mean it doesn't it's not rocket science so it's just another thing that doesn't make sense uh doctors suspected multiple times that levi was being abused levi was removed from her home in november 2013 because of the injuries doctor found including a splintered spine and again in march of 2014 due to more broken bones uh, amanda got levi back in may of 2014 and within a month of him returning to her care he's severely beaten to death also contradicting what she said in the interview with us on July 5th of 2014, before she was arrested, I believe she was arrested um, about a month or so later, uh, when all of this was being investigated, she's quoted in the Chattanooga Times Free Press as saying, quote, he was talking as I was going into the kitchen and he collapsed on the couch, end quote. She said, quote, I turned around and started screaming. End quote. She clearly told us Roger was holding him. Did she not say that in the interview? She, yeah, she was she very, she's very adamant that when she came home, Roger was holding him. And when she went to the kitchen and turned around and Roger was saying he's unconscious, he was still holding him. She very clearly said that to us in this interview. However, in this article, she says she clearly says that Levi was on the couch and he was talking. She she was quoted as saying he was talking as I was going into the kitchen and he collapsed on the couch. These are two completely different things. And and, and this interview with us was taken, what, uh, a month or two ago? Right. And yeah, um, I mean, this is not a case of uh, of bad memory. These are these are very different stories she's telling. And if he did collapse on a couch, he had to be upright, wouldn't you think? Yeah, definitely. Co collapsing, especially, especially while eating a cookie. Well, the word the word collapse makes you think that he's upright. So it, I, her using the word collapse, um, 
I would think he was upright, which wouldn't be the case if he had a fractured spine, 16 broken bones, and a severed aorta. He's not hanging out upright on the couch talking to her. Well, actually, so, after after the uh, after the autopsy, it was revealed that he had 38 broken bones. Oh, 38 broken bones. Interesting. So, yeah, she, not, she's full of shit. She's fucking – she's lying. So we we won't know – who did what? We don't know the extent of Roger's involvement. We don't know the extent of uh, Amanda's involvement. We do know that that Amanda's not telling the truth, and they were both convicted, and rightfully so. They were both present. Uh, it doesn't matter who did what. That's fine. They can share the culpability. That's totally fine with me. I do know that Amanda's um, very much not telling the truth. So uh, she's she's. Um, I I don't know if she's. Uh, trying to legally, I don't know if she's trying to legally maneuver her, her situation or if she's in denial or what, but she's not a good liar. Yeah. I mean, do you have anything to add, Andrew? Other than she's full of shit? No. <laughs> well, you went into this, you know, pretty open-minded. I mean, saying- I mean, to, to be honest, I always go into these open-minded because I hate to say it, but I always give people benefit of doubt whether they're in prison or not. You know, like maybe it's because I'm a nice guy and I believe there's good in everybody, even if somebody's so horrible. And and just just to drive this home, when we went into this. I think you wanted to believe her. Would you say that that's accurate? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't ever want to believe somebody can hurt a child to this extent. But I mean, obviously yeah. they can and people do. So now, now that we've gone through all this, we've, we've done the interview and, and we've kind of, uh, we've done, done the legwork a little bit, um, more so than we usually do. <laughs> um, how do you feel? Do you feel that? Oh, she's definitely guilty. And I, and if she's not guilty of physically abusing him, she's guilty of looking the other way. And so so I you're feel saying like that's just as bad. So you're saying that she holds responsibility for his death. Most definitely. I feel like, well, I feel like if Roger was the only one responsible, she could have left the situation if she was being abused because. But when, but when we look at everything, like there's no way that she, I mean, she's, she's either like she's covering for herself or for him or something. She's not telling the truth. It's very, very apparent. It's very obvious to, to say that, well, she could have, should have, would have, I mean, right. She, she did, but she didn't. Levi was out of her custody from March to um, May. And then uh, uh, apparently he's not being abused. He's alive between May and June. He's, he's dead on June 1st with horrific in- injuries. I mean, just this child was fucking, th- this child was brutalized. There's no other way to put it. It was it's just so, it's just a, a, a disgustingly violent. I mean, it's, I, I don't even want to think about it, to be honest. But, um, yeah, she. I feel that she deserves to be in prison for the rest of her life. I feel that she had some sort of responsibility. She played some sort of role in this. Why she's still lying about it? Why she's being deceptive? Um, I don't know. I I don't know. And and to what extent she's responsible, what she did, I don't know. But she's she's definitely uh, she's not a, an innocent victim or a wrongly convicted person, in my opinion. 
Well, and I also know that she's back in court right now, and I, I have a feeling most of what she said was to – she thought when this comes out, you know, this is going to help her in court, and this is going to help clear her name and, and show that Roger was responsible. But honestly, it kind of I, I backfired think, on her. I think if she would have been honest, she would have had more of a chance of of helping herself. I think this doesn't look good for her. And it's nothing that we did. That's the thing is we get a lot of shit from inmates saying, you made me look bad. No, you make your fucking self look bad. <laughs> like, how how did we make you? Like, we're not making you look bad. So Yeah, we weren't the one that made you cover up or, or murder this innocent <laughs> child. I yeah. Mean, we're just yeah. reporting the facts and opinions, you know, which at the end of the day, nobody can. I mean. Look, look what it points to. Look what it points right. to. You know, so it's like if we can draw this conclusion. Fuck. Imagine what a prosecutor and stuff is going to do. Like she's fucked. And, 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 you know, rightfully so like good fucker, you know, I, I go into this with a pretty open mind and everything as well, but I, I'm very confident in concluding that I don't feel bad for her. Yeah. So, um, everybody head over to our Patreon Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash criminal perspective. You can pay $2.99 and get extra weekly episodes. You can pay $5, get weekly episodes and access to an online uh, true crime gallery of inmate made art, letters, uh, things like that. And uh, with $10, you can get a 10% off code to truecrimeauctionhouse.com. Our most recent episode is pretty good. Uh, Andrew recently went to uh, San Quentin State Prison to visit a serial killer on death row. We talk a lot about that. Um, Andrew, is there anything else that we need to discuss? Mm, Not that I can think of. So let's go on with our daily lives. Do you have any parting words, my friend? R.I.P. Levi Beatty. Right on. R.I.P. Levi Beatty. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening.